Um, so yeah, so how was your Trinity Sunday? Did you have a mass that you preached at or no. not? <laughs> so I, Ooh. yeah, I don't have any <laughs> parish duties anymore. I'm kind of done just waiting. Um, mm. Gotcha. Gotcha. So yeah, and I'm actually kind of interested to see what my quarant because I'll be on Corpus Christi Sunday, I will be well within my quarantine in Houston. So Right. It could right. be a good idea f- just like for like mental health and spiritual health to just write write a homily and do it. <laughs> and so maybe this will be when I finally start recording my homilies. <laughs> Yay. There you go. Yeah. Record them and put it on YouTube. I like it. I like it. Um, just really briefly before we jump into Corpus Did Christi. Did you preach? Uh, two notes. Uh I did not preach. That's the first note. Mm. The first note is that I wasn't preaching, but the homilist gave a really great homily um, about the Trinity. He did say that typical thing of like, you know, this is the preacher's nightmare or like, you know, it's hard to not fall into heresy. These are all kind of like tried, tried phrases that um, are true, but you know, whatever. (laughs) Um, So it was, it was a fine homily. I will point out one thing from Bishop Barron's homily this week that I really enjoyed. I don't know if you got a chance to listen to it, Um, but he said, he said something about incense that I thought was really cool. He said, uh, one of the reasons that we use incense at mass and you can parallel the use of incense to mass in at mass with even the doctrine of the Trinity is that sometimes the church teaches us by confusing mm. us. Um, and, and saying it that way makes it sound a little bit strange. And I think it is on purpose that the Trinity is a convoluted dogma that is hard to understand, but that's kind of a meta point <laughs> that it's God is not yeah, a, something right. for you to deduce, right. um, but is always greater. Um, and how that connects to the incense is that the church uses incense in the liturgy at the highest points to try and cloak the mystery, not just for the veiling of it, but also to kind of cast smoke mm. in our eyes that we can be confounded by what we're approaching. So we can't see clearly, kind of like St. Paul yeah. would say, through a, a glass darkly, we, st- we see. Um, I don't know. I thought that was kind of yeah, a cool Yeah, that is, that is very cool, cool and it reminds me of that. One of my favorite parts in The, um, in, in the Great Divorce, where Lewis writes about the, the ghost that's scared by the unicorns. <laughs> do you remember this part? Yeah, he, he, yeah. This, I do. Well, I do. You talk I about do. It it's, a lot. it's one of my favorite yeah. parts, and I do talk. About, I've <laughs> preached about it a couple of times, actually. Um, but it's it. You, it reminds mm-hmm. me of what you were just talking about. That this, you know, the shining, the shining spirit calls forth a stampede of unicorns, and it's really not explained until like a chapter later. That sometimes what it takes is you being frightened a little bit to be confused, perhaps even to where you stop thinking about yourself. Right. And in that very split moment, there you go. God has room to work. So there you go. Yeah. And so something really great about the mystery of the Trinity. And then in this particular liturgical case with the use of incense, that there's a confounding nature to this Mm -hmm. mystery that helps cloak our eyes so that we can maybe see with newer vision, deeper sight. Get fresh eyes. Um, And yeah. And this, I mean, so this similar sort of cloaking and mystery applies to the next mystery that we're considering, which is the body and blood of Christ. Um, there's, it's, it's, it's an interesting mystery just because unlike the Trinity, it's a physical reality as well. So there's body and blood of Christ Mm -hmm. on the altar that we 
consume you know so there is but it's always through the the species on the altar through the the veiling of bread and wine so so there is an aspect there too of exactly and that's actually one of the things that i was really struck by um for these readings because i'm gonna be honest with you david i did not really focus on the readings themselves like they're good don't get me wrong um but this sequence, <laughs> well, <they better> be. <laughs> this sequence really kind of hit me. Like, and to the, I think, I think to the Ooh. point that we're talking about, like, there's something beautiful in this, uh, you know, this poetic way, this art, artistic way of looking at these mysteries that don't reduce it to something to be figured out or, as you said, to be deduced. You know, this, it, yeah, it makes you yeah. like, I don't understand. I don't really do poetry. Okay. So, like, to read this, I have to really think about it and to pray with it and to, like, try to figure out what is, Hmm. like, what could this mean? I have no idea. Um, But there were two two strophes in it that that really kind of hit me. And to your point on the species on the altar, it says, kind of like halfway down, Here beneath these signs are hidden, priceless things to sense forbidden. Signs, not things, are all we see. Oh, yeah. Like, man. That's oh yeah, like that's it. just showing you that uh, the things. Yeah, okay, they're forbidden in a sense, I guess, but you know, whatever. But we see things, but that's not all that the that that's the, that's not all that's there. Uh, right. Well, I think what what the the strophe means there is that priceless things to the right. senses is yeah. are forbidden. So the the substance is veiled um, under the species yeah. of bread and wine. Um, so that's great. That's really beautiful. That's exactly it. Like the the senses fail, and that's in the tantum, not the the tantum yeah. ergo, I think, or in the uh, I can't remember which one of the hymns in adoration, but uh, you know where feeble senses mm-hmm. fail. You know that our senses fail us because what we see is bread and wine, but what we consume is the body and blood of Christ. Um, yeah, no, that's great. That's beautiful, and I appreciate what you're saying too on a like literary level. This is the sequence is a poem. And poetry and art by nature is meant to reveal, not necessarily to mm-hmm. communicate. Um, and I think that this is a good way of communicating, uh, of revealing something beyond just the mere words. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, that there's a reality beyond. Well, and, it, and it's just the, in a um, sense, I mean, it's okay, it's getting to some really deep, deep mysteries of who Jesus is. But like, it's just the beginning. It's the, it's you're just breaking the surface when you start to read and to pray with this stuff. It goes so deep. And that's the beauty of good literature mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. it takes you somewhere, takes you somewhere else to a better, I don't know, etc. <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah, for sure. And I think that the mystery of the body and blood of Christ is a good, it's that's sort of a good segue to discussing the Eucharist as something that catapults us beyond our reality because it catapults us deeper into the mystery of who yeah. God is. You know, we started with the blood, the celebration of the Holy Spirit and then the Trinity and now a feast on Christ, you know, that the body and blood of Christ. And so how the Eucharist catapults us into a higher dimension of experience of the Godhead because our flesh and his flesh commingle and we have a communion with God who we celebrated on Trinity Sunday. We have a communion with his inner life through the body and blood of Christ. Like that kind of yeah. theology is very much pervasive on this feast is that 
by the spirit on Pentecost, we are brought into the life of the Trinity through the body of Christ. Like that's, that's the triptych of these three. Yeah. And it's interesting, you know, we often talk about Jesus as the one that opens the way, you know, allows that um, bridge to get, to span the gap between our two realities, but he doesn't just open it. And I think we forget that sometimes he literally is the way. Uh, And I think, I think that's the beauty of, there you go of this feast of Corpus Christi. And I think, and again, going back to the sequence that in a, in a certain way, you know, okay. So poetry, you, you and I both know that it can just kind of become, you know, um, just kind of nonsense, you know, people saying nice things. Um, but I, I fear the other side as well, where a feast like this, and this is something we've talked about many times where it just becomes too, like too technical. And let's have a theological mm-hmm, essay mm-hmm. on what what the Eucharist means, or even try to explain transubstantiation. Right. It's like, well, I mean, yeah, that's part of it, but right. that's really not the point of of a homily <laughs> per se, or for one, but yeah, also for no, for sure, yeah, to speak a lecture, to the feast. Like yeah. this has to be something that moves people's hearts. Sure. Oh, totally. So that's a really great segue to what I wanted to focus on. So like when I when I read these readings, I didn't focus on the sequence or the second reading or the gospel. I got stuck on the first reading, hmm. um, which is clearly pre-Eucharistic yeah. because it's the Old Testament. Um, but it's clearly Eucharistic in two ways that I saw that I found very evocative. And they made me, they made me feel things. They made me sort of like touch base again with what my relationship is with the Eucharistic Christ. And the two, the two things there, one is obvious, which yeah. is the manna. So there's clearly an allusion to heavenly bread. There's a reference to heavenly bread, how the manna prefigures the Eucharist. Okay. That's good. And I think there could be a whole homily there about how God prefigures the Eucharist in the, in the story of the Exodus, you know, and in the story of the Paschal lamb and in the manna. But the thing that I wanted to focus on is twice we hear Moses say to the people, remember, Mm. do not forget the Lord. So the remembering dimension of the Eucharist, I think often gets forgotten. Um, How, how is this? Like we even say it at the Eucharist itself. We say, this is a commemoration of the Paschal mystery. Like this is a representation of the Paschal mystery. It's a calling to mind. It's like, even there's an aspect in the Eucharistic prayer. I think it's called the anamnesis, right? Where you, where you're remembering and you're retelling the story of the last supper. So there's a key element to the mystery of the Eucharist that is a remembering. And I think that's a really cool thing because I think we often, like you said, fall into either the, like, let's have a high theological discussion on the transubstantiation of the species, or we sort of whittle it all down to just like, well, okay, you know, we're sharing a meal together and we're the, the family of Christ. But it's like, hold on a second. There's something here too that engages our memory of the good work that God has done for us in our life and how our partaking of this bread and this wine is a remembering, mm-hmm. but not a remembering in the past, but a remembering kind of in the present. Um, I don't know. What do you, what do you yeah, think of all that? No, that's a really good point. You know, and it's, it's fascinating, um, again, to kind of look at this long string of feasts in – as a whole and seeing, so I'm going to go back to, I'm going to get to your point, but I'm going to go back to the um, sequence really quickly. The strophe right before the shorter form begins 
It says, not the precious gift divides, breaking uh-huh. but the sign betides. Jesus still the same abides, still unbroken does remain. And I think there's a really beautiful thing about how, you know, we've got the body of Christ is broken for all. Uh, and right. that couldn't happen. So going back to what we were talking about with the ascension, if Jesus didn't ascend into heaven, like if he was still here on earth, his body in a sense wouldn't be broken for everybody to come to come to the table, to have part in that. Partake, yeah. And Partake. we wouldn't be able to, right. going back to your point, and we wouldn't be able to have that, to, okay, I won't use that word, to have that remembering of what Jesus did for us, not just at the Last Supper, but on the cross and giving the Spirit to us. Um, you know, does that make sense? Mm-hmm. I'm still trying to figure that one out. Yeah, yeah. I'm so I'm I'm hesitant with a lot of your like you since the ascension. You've been doing a lot of that, like Jesus needed to ascend because he didn't <laughs> ascend, and I just I struggle with yeah. with the needing well, sure. him to ascend. Like he says that, uh, and but I just don't know what it means. And like he clearly gave them the spirit while he yeah. was still on earth. You know, he clearly partook of the Eucharist with them while he was still on earth. Um, so I don't know. So I, I think it can get a little bit dicey, but I, I think one of the things that maybe another way of emphasizing that same point is that the partaking in the Eucharist is a remembering of the Christ who has ascended. So having ascended, we partake right. in the Eucharist as a memorial of him who yeah. walked among us. Um, so in that sense, like his ascension causes the Eucharist in the sense of like, we now remember him because he's gone. Um, so in that sense, perhaps what you're saying might make some sense. Um, <laughs> might make some sense. <laughs> I don't know. I just, I struggle. I I still struggle. I still struggle with yeah. the ascension. Like that's still kind of a, I don't know what, what that does, you know, what that means and why do you have mm-hmm. to leave? Um, so, okay, here, here's, here's one other angle just to throw this in here too. I really love Lion King. <laughs> okay. I love that movie and you probably have seen it and you you probably liked it as a kid but you're not big into disney movies as an adult um but do you remember that movie Uh, very well sure (laughs) there's a great scene at the end towards the end where simba speaks to his father Mm -hmm. in heaven and his father's words to him are not i never left you his words were never get over yourself his words to him were, remember who you are because you have forgotten who you are and in forgetting who you are, you have forgotten me. And so there's something about the remembering that causes mm. conversion and causes communion. Um, that this man has gone by the wayside or this lion <laughs> has gone by the wayside and in order, <laughs> in order to have communion and reconciliation, he has to remember himself and remember his father through remembering mm. himself. So I don't know. I think there's something there. Like instead of thinking in terms of just remembering, think about forgetting. How often is sin a forgetting? How often is rupture a forgetting? How often is anything that we do that is a rupture in the body of Christ a forgetting of who we are and what Christ has done for us? So anyway, maybe just casting a lot of what we talk about in terms of forgetting. Um, might be another yeah. angle here. Hmm. No, I like that. Um, yeah, and it does remind me of another Lewis quote from uh, uh, the Space Trilogy when he's trying to explain, in this fictional world, he's trying to explain evil to these you know heavenly beings. And the closest thing that he can come up with in their own language is 
bent it is bent goodness um that all of these mm, yeah. our, the sin in our lives comes from uh from an absence of that of that good um or a, dis, or a distortion of it right right so we've we've forgotten yeah. the true and intent so, in a you sense. know adding to that there you go yeah we forget when we forget then we we lose ourselves, mm-hmm. you know, in the forgetting. So like that plays out for me as a religious. It's like, look, I've taken vows of poverty, chastity, and obedience. I'm a deacon. Like when I forget those things, which I don't forget them permanently, but I sometimes like will wake up and be like, oh yeah, <laughs> it's like, you know, this is what I do. This is who I am. I can start to touch home again. And the Eucharist is our touchstone. Yeah, like, that's exactly. our coming back exactly. home, you know, to, to the table, to receive the body and blood of Christ. Like that should be the moment where we wake up again and we're like, Oh, we're not our hearts burning mm-hmm. while he was with us. Like, Oh shoot. We had forgotten. We never even recognized him, but the Eucharist opened our eyes. Like Emmaus is all through this, you know? Yeah. And it's really amazing uh, that, you know, we use the word to recreate as just kind of a, we've done a recreation of this play or whatever. But when we talk about the recreation of, of that moment at, on the, at the last supper, like when Jesus says, whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. Um, like that's mm-hmm. real. <laughs> like we're literally creating that again yeah. in a yeah. sense, that recreation. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Totally. And you're right. When we forget that what Jesus said no. is real, we fail in that remembering to make present in, in present, <laughs> to represent uh mm. yeah i'm still even con- confusing to make, yeah, to yeah, make yeah, present again confusing myself yeah. with all of this but this i mean that's part of the beauty of it i find that that it kind of to your point right, at the beginning like exactly <laughs> it's in a sense meant to be somewhat confusing because we don't yeah. we don't hope in so i think for me see. if i were to yeah Mm, totally. So if I, I mean, if I were to preach on this this Sunday, I think I would take the angle of remembering because there there's there's a moral dimension to remembering that I think is helpful. Of like when when we forget who we are as members mm-hmm. of the body of Christ, we break ourselves yeah. away, um, and the the Eucharist is a homecoming of coming back of a, of a remembering, you know, by looking at what mm-hmm. He has done for us right now. And I mean, I'm thinking about a lot of this in terms of like even what's happening just in the about world to say. with covid but what's also happening in the world with 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 all yeah, of the racism yeah, and police yeah. brutality and all that we like, for- remember who you are yeah like, exactly we've forgotten yeah, who we are not just who we are but who we are together um and that was the that was the exactly great, yeah rea- i think the great one of the great realities of last week's feast the trinity like this is a perfect um union a perfect relationship and we've forgotten that we now take part in that in that relationship, not just with God, but with each other. Yeah. See, there it is, you know, and if, how can you break bread with me and call me brother and also like step Mm -hmm. on my neck? Like, how can you do that? Like, are we, are we brothers Mm -hmm. or are we not? And and the sad thing is, is that, well, we say we are, but we're, we're not living that way. And so communion gets ruptured by forgetting who we are anyway. So I, there's a moral dimension here. That's really provocative that when we sin we break bonds because we forget that the person we're sinning against is we forget that they're mm-hmm. our brother that they're our blood and f- blood and flesh like they're 
who we are, you know? Anyway, and so if we're going to go to the table together, like, make amends with your brother before mm-hmm, you go to the absolutely. table, you know? Anyway, I'm kind of on a soapbox here, <laughs> yeah. but that's okay. Well, it's a good soapbox, um, especially these days to be on. I think we need more yeah, relating yeah. to these great sins in our world right now. Sure. Uh, you, you have any final words? Any parting uh, thoughts? No, just go pray, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. All right, man. Until next time. Peace. Bye.